Hello, and welcome to Short Wonder, a podcast showcasing short fiction and poetry from contemporary writers from around the world. Naomi Wood is an interdisciplinary performance artist and writer currently based in Brighton. Since completing an MA in creative writing, Naomi has published her first poetry collection, This Is a Heist, become a regular at the Poetry Brothel London and at Brighton Spoken Word events, and still manages to find time to work as an aerialist, actor and model. She's reading five poems for us today. Scooters and Cathedrals, Lockdown, Hibernation, Zoom Parties, A Letter to a Girl Crying in the Other Car. Scooters and Cathedrals I'm getting up early for all the people who couldn't. A rise in the dark, emboldened by the voices of those who came before me, because this may just be paper and I like to think outside the box, but we've been standing empty-handed in the fields praying for a harvest for too long. And they've been pissing on us and calling it rain for some time now that we forgot to question why the crops weren't growing. Chopped down our forests and carved us into chess pieces that they divide but won't conquer because we have our hands deep in the dirt now. And if you think your voice is insignificant, then you have not seen how the smallest creatures create their cathedrals. It's a mess. Things are farcical life, like a ripe piece of Halloween satire, TV barking like a dull-eyed bear with boulders for fists. The tide is rising and it's threatening to take back the land and we, small huddle of fools, stand gazing at the sky. But occasionally, we look into each other's faces. We make a life raft from each other's limbs. We sail into luminous waters on Wednesdays and transcend velocity at weekends. A girl on the bus smiles right into the middle of you and you see old ladies laughing. Small dogs don't understand the stock market. In the end, like them, we're all just chasing our own tails. But trees still get fatter on a full moon and we are made of the same sap. A murmuration that would carry us too south for winter following the pull of planets while crickets rub their legs together in the long grass. A man on the checkout comforts a teenager and in the park someone is feeding the birds. We are grains of sand that snag on the fabric of each other's dreams, white water rafting, the spin cycle, rendering all of us laundry. Ultimately, our fictions bleed together on a warm wash and I can taste familiarity in a stranger's walk. Sometimes. There are fires raging and monsters living in all of our bellies, but some days you see hugs instead of handshakes or a grown-up riding a scooter to work. Lockdown. Every night since the city started inhabiting itself like an empty shirt, the shape of its warm body barely visible, we weave a homemade hedonism out of the bones of our old ways. I light myself candles that I was saving for some other time. It seems that time has finally come. But who knew that a wild kind of quiet had actually been looking for me all along? Who could tell that another city was rising up to meet us, shedding its old skin to reveal Atlantis beneath? In the times before, I used to feverishly wash my hands like I was afraid of what they might do. 
I would press the light switch the exact number of times it takes to appease some deity into making the weather fall favorably from the sky. Intimately aware of my own monstrosity, believing I could assert some will over the expansion and contraction of nature in her dance. How foolish our old fears seem when something real arrives. Yet when it comes to it, we find we are beasts again, just the same, fighting and flighting, heavy and mortal, heaving our own heft. It has, after all, always been invisible things that have brought us to our knees. All the things we strive for, like ripples in a pool, just wrinkles in the fabric of matter. When all that really matters. Is how we are sowing the season's harvest, the simple divinity of watering the soil we are in, and in return we get to hold what is given back up to our faces like shells filled with songs. I'm not here to tell you this was all for the best—a lesson, destiny, or retribution. This is just the story unfolding, the coil uncurling in intricate rings. But whales are still leaping to meet the dawn. Some things are always true. Some things never perish. Like how I could hear their laughter ringing through the walls, and it is all I needed tonight—a crystallized piece of raw humanity, the best of what we are. And how another night we sung to each other through the walls and doors, knowing the things that unite us are more powerful than those that divide. Hibernation. I've got the winter blues, she says, as she buries her hand in mine. Feet crunch through garden frost. She's sad, but she's singing, so I choose to take that as a sign. These days, when I look out the window of four walls, it doesn't feel like a barricade. Knitted together, these blue sky dreams grew flowers in the window and turned this party into a parade. I say. When she feels numb with uncertainty about tomorrow, to plant rose-coloured things in the depths of the wilderness that both she and the darkness can borrow, that the winter's teaching us every day to send our roots down deeper within, curled in quiet unity in our earthing before our birthing can begin, that her ascension will bear fruit for her small kingdom to witness, earth damp cocoon as limbs stretch awakens and her sap. Becomes its richness. Out in the meadows, there are songs with forgotten names and melodies, but they long to fold you back into the stories of the earth. And once upon a time, the river met the sea, and their salty tears would mingle, calling in lost harmony, a spell for the forgotten wisdom of dust. And our grandmothers tried to teach us each seedling has its service, while seasons furnish fertile land with the buried treasure of purpose. And just like they told us, these foraged fruits could aid our evolution and rebirth. The magic of their medicine has always been hidden within the earth. But for this gentle science, we have been hunted like yarrow grown by gravesides. We lay in darkness while our stories were deconstructed. Our freedom, feared by man's cold hand, what profit can be spun from a harvest so abundant? But clear as obsidian, earth's dark secrets are calling through to remind us of the comfort of community and the sweetness of solitude. From them, we learn about resting and growing, when to bloom or let things go. 
when to unfold ourselves like origami creatures to go to seed to fly, and when to lie fallow. They teach us to embrace impermanence and when to anchor to the land. Rendered more beautiful by the line danced between strength and fragility across time's shifting sands. Maybe crowning trees know our evolution is like them, to rise by lifting all. Their dream for us is to shine in the sharing and that the kernel of your wildest truth will break open in deep soil. Zoom parties. Finger, lick, don't trip, sharp wit, pinprick, I am meant to be older now, but I still hold my breath when I skip paving stones. Boombox, busy streets and broken locks, this city is full to the brim with flashing fluorescent smiles and see-through skin. Plastic epiphanies, grease-wrapped, fast-tracked, another Amazon parcel, but not robed in rainforest splendour. And the kids were yelling, telling us for years, but we don't listen. Instead, we just cup our hands to our ears, press our faces to the walls of buildings and stories that have grown too tall. We are too many. Too many questions about trickle-down economics, so I bite my lip, fold origami cranes out of old bus tickets and try not to step on the cracks. The storm rolled in, so we took ourselves indoors unpacked our bright colours onto screens and found the picture and sound in other dimensions. And it makes me smile to see the view through other windows, a homemade kind of kindness as we muddle through, all out of our depth and hungry for connection. We've never known what it's like to see ourselves being seen, our world a seamless mirror refracted on the forest floor as we modify the gossamer harp strings of our animal senses to fit inside a new box. In a way, it's just like real life as we reinforce smiles with the corrugated iron of our indoctrinated pleasantries. Reading between the ley lines for the cues, we don't dare open the doorway to our darkness, pull up a chair for the hag who is holding forth at our hearth right now. Like some wild exotic birds, we dip and bow, becoming mesmerised by our reflections and the strangeness of each other in this new 2D reality. So near and yet so beyond grasp, we watch each other from the other side of things. A portal, a promise of what could be. As though we need to know that we are being seen somehow, that our moments are marked, that our days are not flying by unnoticed. And always the crone in the corner. Always an unswept carpet, just out of sight. Letter to a girl crying in the other car. Looking at her through the glass between us, I want to tell her how vast she can be. The multitudes, the contradictions, swirling in the solar plexus of her solar system. Potent in the cobweb delicacy of her magic, larger and too deep for the savouring of hearts whose mouths hang open like porcelain caves. I hope for her to grow ungainly and impudent, that she'll see the gilded cage and not be distracted by its pretty engravings, for a grave is all it is. That she'll burst from its trappings with a force that propels her into all the dimensions I know she can travel. All the inconvenient places where those who wish to subdue her voice lurk. 
with pearl-curved teeth and shiny spines protruding. I want to tell her that there'll be so much more, that even if she feels oxidised under this weather, I see her, brimming with kindling. I see the soft flesh of anarchy, terraform, deftly peeling back layers of skin to expose more earth to the sky. Photosynthesis ripening the dew on a blade of unimagined history. I want to wipe the salt water falling from her and tell her there'll be deeper oceans and vaster plains, whole galaxies to pour herself into. Some that will hold her gaze and many that won't. Naomi, thanks so much for sharing your work with us today and for joining us um, in Short Wonder. It's been great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I was interested that you chose a poem about lockdown. Do you think your writing has changed through that experience? Yes, I think probably for all creatives, their practice has shifted maybe more to a sense of introspection. Um, I suppose before I was very much influenced by um, being sociable, you know, the people around me, things that were occurring right in front of my eyes. I was always writing notes in my phone at, at parties or at events. And this was a real time of having to just look in inwardly. And I also felt, I suppose, slightly more connected to the people around me in my community, realizing we were all going through a similar shared experience that was really difficult. And I was really encouraged by those simple acts of small kindnesses, I suppose, that I saw neighbors kind of giving to each other. And yeah, just really helps you feel part of this shared experience mm -hmm. of humanity, I suppose. So do you think you might even miss lockdown a little bit when it's all No, done? absolutely no <laughs> way. <laughs> I mean, hopefully it's taught us all something that we can carry forward. It would be a shame to see us just return to exactly how things were before, but I, I can't actually see that happening. I think it's been such a shift for everyone in one way or another. Just that time to reflect on what's really important and how we want to exist in the world, how we show up for ourselves and each other, um, yeah, I, I definitely want to take those things forward. But yeah, I'm ready for that not to have to be a thing again. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's important that we take the positive bits forward, isn't it? Otherwise, it's just a kind of a, a blank space in our um in a, in a whole year. Mm. Um, I get a sense of the outsider and a, a real sense of otherness uh, in your writing and certainly in the poems that you've chosen today. Do you identify with that? Yes, I definitely do. It's interesting that you say that that's apparent because I, I suppose I try to touch on different themes, but um, I do feel like in the world I am quite a, a lone wolf and an outsider. And that is both um, a blessing and a curse, I realize as I get older. It's a source of much frustration, but it's also gifted me with some amazing, strange experiences that I really treasure and a kind of fierce independence I suppose that hopefully informs and um, permeates all of my writing for sure and do you think that feeds into when you're performing live because I, I notice at, at live events that a lot of writers seem really uncomfortable reading their work out aloud but you seem to really relish it is, is that right yeah I mean I think um, as I might have mentioned to you before I I was doing other kind of performance practices first before I was um, performing my poetry and I realized there was a real fear around 
sharing my inner thoughts and feelings you know this is like deep stuff this isn't necessarily a character like with um some of the circus stuff that I do where I'm you know it's one aspect of my personality amplified this felt very much like sharing my raw thoughts and feelings and there's so much vulnerability around that and I think I realized I had to go one way or the other that I was either gonna be really consumed by by like the fear of being seen um or I had to step into authenticity and be powerful about it so it's definitely been a long journey and I I hopefully have improved a lot since I first started um performing poetry but yeah now I really enjoy the the rhythm and the tone and the meter that you can deliver poetry in you know this is like my message to the world and I I have um a choice in how I can portray it and it will really change the tone of the poem you know how I speak the words so I really realize the the weight that can have yeah I think it's good to commit to it, isn't it? I think if you're going to step up on a stage and start reading, I think you might as well yeah. jump in with two feet and, own it. and do it. Yeah, own it, exactly. Um, so what's the perfect live poetry setting for you? Do you, do you like the... I always love this idea that um, Dadaists used to insist on drinking brandy and smoking cigars and being <laughs> raucous at events, and, and that was how they approached every sort of live event. Do you like that sort of bustle um, and interaction, or do you prefer a, a quiet room? Oh, well, <laughs> theoretically, <laughs> I suppose in theory and practice are different things because it can be so off-putting when you're kind of having to fight um, over the, the noise of other things going on in the room. But maybe that's just a challenge all performers need to go through to really know how to mm. arrest people with their performance. So I would say my ideal kind of poetry performance setting would be a very kind of uh, loose, improvised, organic kind of storytelling experience either around a campfire or out in nature mm-hmm. where um, people felt just inspired to come forward and kind of maybe improvise or ad lib a bit those have been some of my most powerful experiences um, sometimes after the poetry bottle in London as well late into the night into the next morning we'll all still be going around and just bouncing off each other uh, making up poetry and sharing our new work with each other and that's always quite scary, particularly when you're with your peers and other creatives, but always just the most inspiring. So what does poetry or, or writing do for you when you're creating it? I suppose it's a cathartic experience that helps me to make sense of the world and my place in it. Um, helps me to kind of formalise some of some of my experiences and Mary Oliver talks about writing being um particularly writing poetry as a way of ritualizing creating rituals out of who we are in the world and our everyday experiences and and when I read that I thought yeah that is exactly how it feels for me and it's something I've always done since I was really little um just for myself just just constantly kind of like trying to order my thoughts and sometimes observing my thoughts and feelings about a certain subject and noticing the peculiarity of that and wanting to kind of capture that in a jar and almost to say to the world, is anyone else, anyone else feel Mm. this? Is this just me? Am I alone in this unique, bizarre uh, emotion? And then, you know, I guess that's what unifies us is when we share those things and we realize we're not alone and the more poetry you read and the more art you consume, you're like, oh yeah, that song is how I feel or that poem is uh, capturing something I've gone through as well. Cool. Yeah, I think there's a real, um, with all creative practice, and we were talking um, before this interview about myself in my performance art history and, um, and and other artists as well, and I think there's a real, I think learning that 
ability to extract and then translate from yourself is what makes it really exciting particularly when you get it right when when you when you see that recognition in someone else who you're mm. reading to or delivering their, uh, you know performance to when you can see that they've connected with that that thing that you found within you is is well, certainly for me I think when you find it really exciting mm. and observing your own contradictions almost mm. observing the complexities in yourself that sometimes rub up against each other as well is really interesting yeah what's your most memorable experience as a writer I'm going to broaden that actually and say as a writer or performer can I return to this question in a yes. minute? <laughs> I'll ask it you again. Okay. Um, the, uh, when I sort of tacked on performing there, because I, I was looking at your website last night and I got this real sense of you as a Renaissance woman. So, you know, you're a writer, an aerialist, a model, a dancer and an actor. Um, so th- this kind of spectrum of your creative practice, is that important to you how they cross over and interact with one another I think I've always just been a bit of a show-off really (laughs) Um, I think what it is is just a desire to create and be seen and understood and just make stuff I I kind of have felt since my mid-20s where I had a bit of a life-changing experience um, to do with my health and after that I kind of really realized you know just a renewed sense of gratitude for being alive and that we're so often held back by fear of getting it wrong or failing Mm -hmm. or looking stupid and actually like we're just here to live and experience things and to share them with each other and that became like a really strong calling for me and so I decided that even if I wasn't any good at those things I just wanted to do them so that I could be experiencing that and I think maybe our our culture and our society thinks that you're you're you have you have to be born gifted and good at one thing that will propel you through life and you'll be able to monetize it and i don't think that's how it is for a lot of people i think we're just human beings exploring our experience and our relationships with each other and just giving things a go and i think that's kind of mm-hmm. been my approach and my attitude of like oh I, I, that brings me joy i want to follow the bliss of the enjoyment of that thing so I think I've just ended up being a bit of a jack of all trades because I've tried my hand at a few things. Yeah. So when did you start writing? What was the first impetus? So I've always written like since I was a child just for myself really and I was more into writing stories in fiction, short fiction and then um, I stayed on at uni to do a master's in creative writing and which was great in lots of ways. It really got me inspired to write poetry. And I think I I liked that short burst of creativity that a poem gives you in a way that committing to a whole story is a bit more of a a lifelong thing. Um, I really liked these short bursts of capturing an emotion or a scene or a situation that was like a vignette in someone's life. Yeah. And and so that was really great for, for getting me into that. But also formal education can kind of squeeze a bit of the joy mm. out of things. You're suddenly in a very competitive environment. You're being told what is good writing and what is bad writing, um, which is kind of dangerous because I think, again, it's going down that line of vocational creativity. And actually, we can all write. We all have a story to tell and we all have a voice. And it's just finding the enjoyment in doing so. Um, so it was actually a few years later once I was already doing quite a lot of circus performance and the the modeling stuff 
that I started writing again after performing burlesque for the poetry brothel and they invited me to share some poems with them and yeah just kind of like really rekindled my love of of poetry but more through a performance aspect yeah so how do you how do you know or how do you decide when um a piece of writing is finished when when it's ready to be shared with other people or or, or is it never finished are you always going back and reworking well, they things? say it's never finished don't they and i definitely do revisit stuff and of course that's the danger of having something out in print i want to like go back and change all the copies i'm like no not quite that word it's ever evolving um i'm actually getting better at holding off and 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 editing a little bit longer because i think i used to kind of just feel like i was visited by this like download or this like you know situation and i'd i'd create a poem and feel like done straight away don't even want to look at it again and rush it out Mm. um and there's a certain amount of arrogance maybe attached to that of not wanting to sift through and do the hard work which is actually the editing and the refining and everything else so hopefully i'm getting a bit better at doing that and spending a bit longer sitting on things i think there's something quite it's quite self-indulgent there's something quite nice about having a relationship with something you've written for quite a long time before you share it with with other people i mean certainly from writing short stories and, uh, and novels you know the, the process is, is so long anyway but it's I, I quite like sometimes that you have these characters that nobody else has met yet and, mm. and you might have a, like a 10-year relationship with them or there might be a line of poetry which you know which which only you have for, for a amount of time and i think you know when you live with something for a while you start to get you do get more of a confidence about yeah this is this is ready and i want i want other people to hear this now and the number of times I've, you know, woken up the next morning and you think, oh, how did I even think that was the, the right <laughs> phrase or the right word to use? And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back to that question that you skipped now. Okay. Which was, what was your most memorable experience as a writer or performer? So my most memorable experience as a writer and performer would probably be um, performing as part of Laurie Black's cabaret um hypernova we did a show for the brighton fringe must have been 2019 i suppose in may and um i performed aerial hoop and poetry um in costume and it was really lovely to kind of yeah get the chance to explore like i said those two sides and merge them together and we then did it again in the summer at the south bank the spiegel tent at the south bank center Mm -hmm in london my dad had just died that morning and it was a really intense day really powerful day and really hard yeah um but kind of as always with performance because you are sharing a part of yourself and you're making yourself vulnerable it was really um healing yeah it must have been difficult to do at that time it really was yeah but amazing to to carry on though yeah, and I was very supported by the rest of the cast. And yeah, I just love how Laurie, um, Laurie's an amazing, um, musician and cabaret star. And she'd really curated this, this very diverse, um, show that just had a bit of everything and really had this message of, you know, like finding your authentic self and expressing that in the world. And she talks a lot about space travel and time travel and, um, just does it with such grace and humor. Um, so I think being part of those shows were, were definitely my most memorable. Um, so what's coming up next? What, what what are your plans for sort of our, our re-emerged lockdown, post-lockdown <laughs> selves? Um, so I I teach a creative writing workshop every other <clears throat> Wednesday evening through the Feminist Bookshop um, 
in Brighton. So obviously when we're allowed, it's in person at the bookshop, but a lot of this year it's been online. So people have joined from all over, which has been really fantastic. And I think almost sharing your work on Zoom has been a bit more accessible for people. It's a bit less scary than standing up in a room full of people you don't know. Mm. It's like people maybe feel more inclined to to be to take risks and to share stuff and to not be too precious about maybe what they've just written in the session. So that will continue in the new year. You can either join via Zoom or come and join in real life in the bookshop. We're kind of merging the two now, so you can do both at once. And I've just put together my second collection. So I have self-published my first collection at the start of this year called This Is A Heist. And I've now pretty much sold out of that. It was being stocked at the Feminist Bookshop. But um, yeah, hoping to publish a second edition of poems which will be out at some point in the new year right and where can people go to find out more about you so they can follow me on instagram which is i am naomi wood or they can book me for a one-to-one intimate session through the poetry society of new york um, or find me on facebook naomi wood or my website but who uses websites these days they're old school aren't they, they? are very old school <laughs> right i'm going to I'm going to let you go in a minute, but I'm going to fire some quick fire questions. Oh my God. Okay. Exciting. So ready? Mm hmm. Snickers or sesame snaps? Oh, neither. What was that? Oh, sesame snaps if it had to be one. Okay. Hometown? Eastbourne? Dreamtown? Oh my God. Where would Dreamtown be? Somewhere in New Zealand. Nice. I sounded a bit New Zealand when I said nice. Yeah. <laughs> Um, favorite film? Oh, V for Vendetta or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I didn't think V for Vendetta was that great as a film. <gasps> How can you say the yeah. graphic novel is obviously much better? Yeah, I just didn't dig it really. But there you go. That's, that's just me. Um, in ten years, you'll be oh, living in Wales on um, a farm where we run creative workshops of all varieties that are accessible to everyone, where we encourage people to just share their truth. Nice. Um, Finish this sentence in your own words. What doesn't kill you? Makes you weird at parties. (laughs) Fair enough. And this one, life is only worth living if... You can be yourself. True. Most beautiful place. Most beautiful place. Oh, my God. Uh, Cookmere Haven. Don't know that. Most beautiful piece of writing. I really love The Prophet. Mm, yeah, me too. Uh, what's the best bit of advice you've ever been given? Mm, I mean, it's cheesy, but really listening to your intuition. The older I get, the more time and time again, I just come back to that being the thing. Listen to your gut, listen to how your body feels and just trust yourself. Mm-hmm. Sashimi, yes or no? No. <laughs> and last one, what's the one thing our listeners should do today? I mean, I would say write something, just write down how you're feeling, um, maybe observe the world around you. I think we can gain so much from just stopping and being in the moment. Awesome. That's a good place to end it. Naomi, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. What's sashimi?